0: Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. Due to the coronavirus crisis, we're holding church services online until further notice, and we encourage you to join us. For info and updates, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at New Life Soco, and visit our website at NewLifeSouthCoast.com. Now here's an encouraging word. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be continuing... What we've been doing for the last several weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts. Acts is the beginning of the church. This is when Jesus resurrected from the dead and said, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you and he's going to empower you to be my witnesses. And you're going to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And that's what Christianity has been all about for the last 2,000 years We are gathering here in New Bedford. There's gatherings of believers all over the world. Um, There's about 2.2 billion people who profess to be followers of Jesus in the world as we speak. And God continues to add that number every single day. And just like he's doing it here in New Bedford, he's doing it in Fall River, he's doing it online. It's amazing how the spirit of God is so real. And so today we're going to continue that conversation on how God empowers you to be a witness. And we're going to talk about sharing the gospel today. Right? because that's what the whole point was. Jesus said, the Spirit of God is coming not to give you goosebumps. Oh my God, I felt the Spirit. <laughs> No, that's not the point of the spirit. The spirit of God comes to empower you to be a living testimony of who God is, how good he is, how faithful he is, how he has a plan and a purpose for your life. If the gospel has permeated your soul, you have a divine responsibility to share the gospel with others because that's what we do as Christians. We believe in the, in the gospel, but we know you believe in the gospel when you begin to share the gospel. Choir in this Baptist church this morning. All right, so we're going to talk about that. And I know that when we say share the gospel, there's this automatic, like, unease that goes into the atmosphere. We feel a little unease about it, you know, because it's like, oh, my God, you want me to put myself out there? I don't know why I keep doing that oh, my God thing. I feel like I'm tapping into Becky. Uh, <laughs> but I, I know, I know the, the uneasiness. So I want, to, I, want to, I want to break the ice here by just, just, just let's just call it what it is, Okay. Let's just put some things out in the atmosphere before we really get into it about the fact that when we say share the gospel, um, we know we should do it, but we barely do it. Can we just agree on that? You know, I know we got your, your, your COVID faces on. Can you at least do this for me? Can you at least acknowledge that, you know, we know we should, right? It's one of those things where you know you should, but then you struggle to do it, right? And you know you want to, but you have a hard time doing it right? And there's many reasons for it, right? Let's just throw a few things out there so we can all kind of break the ice a little bit and put everybody at ease because I don't want you to feel, uh, you know, I can't wait to see some of you guys are locking in. You're just locked. I can just see, just locked in um, because it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. But, you know, it's awkward at times. Can we agree on that? That sometimes it's awkward trying to share the gospel. Um, Sometimes you feel like you don't, feel inad- you don't feel adequate. Like you feel inadequate. You feel like I don't have the words. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Uh, I want to, you know. But the things I want to do, I end up not doing. The things I end up not doing, end up doing. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of death? Like you start quoting Romans 7. I'm doomed. I'm doomed. <laughs> and, uh, and, so, and, and then it leads to guilt, doesn't it? You feel like guilty. Ah, want to. You ever had this one? Listen, again, we're just trying to break the ice here. You ever had that, that conversation in your head? but you never had it in real life? Uh, yeah. You ever like, man, I, I want to I talk to this person, and, and then you had a conversation with yourself, and you talked yourself out of it. <laughs> Come on, you ever had that moment when you're like, you had a, you're, you convinced yourself that this conversation is not going to go well, and so therefore, the conversation never happened. It just happened in your head. <laughs> right? Like, we all kind of struggle with this thing because we want to, but it feels a little bit out of, you know, it feels a little bit of like, uh, I don't know. Um, And so we end up not doing it. We end up getting guilty. We end up feeling worried. And then there's this one. We all are worried about how someone's going to respond. Come on, can we be honest? We all are worried. Like, uh, this can go south on me. You know, now you're worried that they think you're Jehovah Witness. right? (laughs) I'm not knocking the Jehovah Witness. I'm just saying, you know, uh, you start sharing the gospel and people start looking at you weird. Um, So there's all these things, Right. And so today I I, I want to propose to us that perhaps there's a better way of going about this, right? That perhaps there's a way that takes the pressure off, right, and let it be what it is, the gospel. It's good news, right? That perhaps we don't have to feel all locked in and nervous and worry and, 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 and try to figure out the right words to say. I want to put it at ease before we even go into this. I want to say this. The pressure is off because there is no perfect way of sharing the gospel. There isn't. How do I know this? Because you're here. Whoever shared the gospel with you didn't do it perfectly. They stumble their way to it and somehow it makes sense to you to to give it a try. And however that happened, I I know it happens differently for everybody. It could be that you were on the bus one day and someone started talking to you. It could be that you were just looking at the beach and you started thinking about there's got to be more to life. Like God is so unique and so personal and so real and so big that we don't have to take the pressure off ourselves and just trust that the gospel is the gospel, is the good news, and it's going to permeate (laughs) lives. And that takes a lot of pressure off because a lot of times I think we think it's up to us. But the reality is we're not that smart. We weren't even that smart to pursue God in the first place. Anyone who tells you that they got themselves saved, you know they didn't get saved. (laughs) That's funny. You know, because a lot of times we think we did it. Like somehow we figured it out and we got ourselves here. But the reality is you wouldn't have the gospel without God first leading you towards him. Without him being the reckless one to come after you. Like if he didn't leave the 99 and come after you, you would still be out there stranded, you know, broken, hurting. But God is so good that he came after you. So the pressure's on him. You know, my pastor, Pastor he always tells us this: he's like, hey, if something's going wrong in the church, blame God. He <laughs> said, so put the pressure on him. You know? Uh, because a lot of times we think it's up to us. And I want to take that pressure off because it's not up to us. It's about the gospel. And we do play a role in it, but we don't play the role in it. We play a role. And can I encourage you today because this is going to be a teaching. And you're like, what's the difference between teaching and preaching? Well, I'm not going to be yelling and screaming. (laughs) That's the the difference. Uh, Can I encourage you to take notes? Because I want to share some things with you today. I really believe they're powerful. If you're serious about the gospel, if you're serious about Jesus, I I think that some of those things are really going to resonate with you and it's going to empower you to really be a better witness. Because that's the point, is to be a witness. Notice he says, I called you to be a witness. I didn't call you to be the Holy Spirit. I didn't call you to save anybody. I called you to witness. Right? If you're called to the witness stand... Your job is to just tell the experience that you had with that particular situation, no circumstance. Your job is to only say what you saw, what you heard, what you experienced. If you do more than that, they're going to say you are a bad witness. You're tempering with the evidence, right? You're not being honest. You're not being real. So God's not expecting you to be something that you're not. And that's so important. Why? Because you can't give what you don't have. So that's the first thing we have to establish is that if I'm going to share the gospel, it's because the gospel is in me. I can't give what I don't have. Right? It would be very weird for me to give you something that I don't have. You call that false promise. Right? So the first thing we have to establish, my friend, is that we talked about it last week. If the gospel is the baseline of my life, then the gospel will come out of me. I should have got some amens from people who have the gospel as the baseline of their lives. Because, listen, let me put it this way. It's hard for me to convince you to follow a team that I don't follow. Like if I got up here and be like, yo, this year, Philadelphia Eagles, I have to lie. (laughs) Because I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm not into the Eagles. I don't believe the Eagles are going to win. I'm a Patriots fan. I still am. Brady or not Brady. In Belichick we trust. We trust. When it comes to the football, the Patriots is my gospel. Right? But in order for me to share with you, I have to come from a place that it's already in me. Because I can't give you what I don't have. Think about that. I think sometimes the struggle is we have religion but we don't have the gospel. Right? Religion doesn't, doesn't sit well. Religion is like eating with no drinking. It chokes you. <laughs> I don't know why. I think that's a great analogy. You know, I, I, think, I think you need something to, 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 to water it down. Like you need, the, you need the grace of God in you that has permeated you to the point that you're like, man, this is so good. I can't keep this to myself. When was the last time you received really good news? You're like, this is for me. I'm not this. I get Becky again. I don't know why. I'm feeling Becky in me today. Um, but... Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. You find a sale, you don't keep it to yourself. You little girl. Target got this COVID-19 sale going on. <laughs> right? Because when you find something good, you share it. Is Jesus good to you? Then you don't keep him to yourself. So what if it wasn't so much about guilt trips? What if it wasn't so much about how well you do it? What if it was just that it's an extension of who you are? Think about it. Grab any human being on the face of the planet, no matter how reserved they are, how shy they are, but if you get them to talk about something that's in them, you can't get them to shut up. I don't care who they are, man. You can find the most shyest kid in the world and you tap into something that they're into all of a sudden... Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You can't give what you don't have. It all starts with, is the gospel is permeating my heart, my soul, and my being. Then the gospel is going to come out of me. And the gospel comes out of you not just in words. St. Francis was famous for saying, preach the gospel always, if necessary, use words. The gospel comes out in the food pantry. The gospel comes out in tangible ways that shows people that I care about you because God cares about you. I love you because God loves you. Listen. Let me let me put us through a mental exercise real quick. What is the first word that comes to mind when you think about God? You can you can you can say it. Okay, so baseline is love, right? Everybody kind of agrees On love, at least that's the Christian's answer, isn't it? Love. (laughs) Of course, God's love. Now, let me counter that with another question. What's the first word that comes to mind when you think about people? So now it it changes a little bit, right? We went from love to... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was like <laughs> some of y'all are like you don't even want to know. You, you don't want to know. Now here's why this is challenging, because the Bible says you can't say you love God, you've never seen him. And I love people that you see every day. The Bible actually goes on to say if you say you love God, you never seen him, but you're gonna love people you see every day, you're a liar. You're calling me a liar. No, the Bible did that. do not shoot the messenger. I'm just <laughs> quoting the Bible. Why is that important? Because if God is love and you don't see him, the, re- the way you really know that God is the baseline of love is how you treat other people. Because God created them in an image and likeness. <clears throat> so it doesn't matter how much I say I love God, I only love God by how I treat people. Hello. Hello. Jesus said, "What's the great two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love your." It's hard to love your neighbors if you don't love yourself. So, why is this important? It's important because the way you view God is how you're going to view the gospel, and the view of the gospel is the way you're going to view people. You see why there's a difference between religion and following Jesus. People think, God is love, yeah, but you hate your brother. You see why it's impossible to be a racist and a follower of Jesus? (laughs) Listen, you can be very religious and be very racist, but you can't say you're a follower of Jesus and, and hate people because then he says you're a liar. We can say a lot of things that are great, but it's the... It's when the rubber meets the road is how we treat people that actually says that we love God. The Bible even says like you can give to the poor, you can sell all your stuff, you can do a lot of outward stuff, but if you have no love, you're just making a lot of noise. Why is this important? Because I don't share the gospel if the gospel is already in me. If the gospel is already in me, then I have a different perspective on people. So I got to ask you another question. Are people a threat or are they a potential friend? The way you answer that question is the baseline of your heart. Think about it. You walked in here. You already sized me up. You already have a category for me. Let's be honest. Like, because I'm a preacher, you already assume certain things about me. But you know me as pastor preaching, but you don't know Marco. When when love is not the baseline of my soul, I categorize people. Put them in the categories that fits me. It fits my agenda. It fits my eyes. It fits my perspective. It fits my worldview. Therefore, this person belongs here. That person belongs there. But the problem is the Bible says God is love, and God said his love is unconditional. In other words, he doesn't put conditions or categories to people. God loves people for who people are. That's why he goes after the nine. He leaves the nine nine and goes after the one. Because that's the baseline of who God is. And if I say God is love, I'm saying that should be the baseline of who I am. And that's why this thing is a journey, right? To embrace truly the heart of God, not the heart of religion. Are you tracking with me? We're going somewhere here, but like I said, it's a teaching. We're gonna take our time here. This is one of those crock pop messages. It's gonna take a little while for you to smell it and be like, oh, this thing's kinda good. (laughs) So listen, does the gospel move your heart? Does it compel you to action? Think about it. We say God is love, but love is a verb. God's not a feeling. Love has action steps. Let me ask you another question. Today we're just going to exercise a little bit of minds. Have you ever been in love? You better say yes if someone's next to you who... (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to help you. Especially these fellas, you going to be like, oh. When you're in love, it's different. Right? Like, when you're in love, you do things that you normally wouldn't do if you're not in love. Come on. You're, when you're in love, you, 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 you do things very differently. You respond very differently. Why? Because love is an action verb. It, make, it moves you to action. It compels you to action. It makes you want to do something to show why you love somebody, right? Like when you, when you come home and you have flowers, you brought flowers home, and your wife's like, oh, my God, thank you so much. Becky, again. Um, <laughs> and, and you give her flowers, you don't follow with, oh, don't worry, it was just on sale. Because <laughs> if you keep earning that, you're not living that night. Why, because, because she's expecting that it's out of the abundance of your heart that you brought the flowers home. It's an extension of who you are. And fellas, sometimes just because, you should just bring flowers. Not because it's a special event, not because it's on set, because you're thinking about the other person that says, I love you, you're all my heart, you're all my thoughts, and so I'm bringing this to show you my love. I don't just say that I love you, I show you that I love you. And that's what the gospel is, the gospel permeates you to such a point that you want to reflect that love. So it can't be just an obligation or a burden. It has to be an extension of what's already in me. Are you tracking with me? So to me, my friends, the way you view God, is not so much how you worship him, but it's how you treat others. That's the, that's the connecting point that makes you want to share the gospel. It's good news for all people. Therefore, I see people as potential friends in the gospel, not threat to me. Because the gospel also is, I love this one. I hope you catch this. The gospel makes you confident in who you are because God has made you who you are. Religion makes you insecure in who you are because you always have to earn yourself. Oh, that's such a good word. So we get to Paul, and I want to give you some practical I call these principles because there's no equation. Like I said, there's no, there's no perfect way of sharing the gospel. There's just principles that we can live by, we can abide by it. And I believe with the Holy Spirit, it will lead you into sharing the gospel and feel good about sharing the gospel and have a heart drive to share the gospel. Like, it's going to be the driving force of your life, not because you have to, because you want to. How many of you know there's a difference between wanting to and having to? Right? And it all comes down to what's happening inside of me. Right? One more thing. One more exercise. How many of us grew up in a religious home where they forced you and then you didn't have, you don't want anything to do with it? A couple of honest people in the house. The rest of y'all, purgatory is your destination. (laughs) Right? A lot of us were forced and now we don't want anything to do with it. And then what happened is we end up throwing the baby out with the bat water. We've, we didn't get to distinguish between religion and following Jesus. So you can't force this thing. You can only be a witness to it. You can only witness what's already happened to you. Are you tracking with me? So we get to Paul, my friends. He, Paul is in Athens, Greece. Please take notes. I'm telling you, I, I got so much to share with you. So good. I might have to preach to myself, but I hope you come on a ride with me. Paul is in Athens, Greece, a very pluralistic society, very much like our society today. They believe in many gods, many philosophies, many ways about doing life. And so they had basically shrines for thousands of gods throughout the city of Athens because they were very religious they were trying to pursue something they're trying to come alive in something and so they would they would worship everything and so Paul is in the middle of the city and he's got a heart for people because if you don't have a heart for people you would just say whatever right but he has a heart for people that he breaks him to the point that he's like man I got to find the right way to bring about the gospel because these people are hurting because they need the gospel so here's what he does, right? They invite him to come and share because they're like, man, you're talking some of the stuff. We want to know a little bit more. So look, we're going to pick up from verse 22 in Acts 17. So Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as followers. As follows, he said, Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For I was walking along and I saw many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it. To one unknown God. Listen, they're so religious that they're like, there might be a God out there that we are not in tune with. So let's just make one that says unknown. Just in case. Don't want to offend any gods. Okay. So they have an unknown God. And Paul sees that as an opportunity. Watch this. He says, this God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Let's stop there for a second. I love this about Paul. Paul has a heart for people so much that he looks around the city and tries to find a way to establish, please take notes, establish a common ground first. This is so important. If the baseline of your heart is the gospel, then you're looking to establish common ground with people. Think about it, this could have gone very differently. He could have just come and be like, You people of Athens, all idolaters, you're all going to hell. A lot of people, that's their approach to the gospel, and they wonder why no one follows. (laughs) People are surprised. Oh, I preach the gospel. It's like, do you, though? Do you ever establish a common ground with people? Because guess what? Any salesman would tell you this, and we're not selling anything, but any salesman would tell you you want to appeal to the person's heart, not their heads. Why do some commercials move you, compel you to want to get the the product? Is because it appealed to your heart. And when I say we're selling anything, what I'm saying is, are we that in tune with God and people that we want to establish common ground and not just burn bridges? Paul knows that idolatry is wrong, but what does he do? He says, wait a minute, this is an opportunity. See, when your heart is moved by the gospel, you see things differently. You don't see them as an obstacle, you see it as an opportunity. So many people see our world, and, and it's funny to me when, when I hear believers talk about the world, like, like it's a surprise. Oh, the world is bad. It's, oh, it's like, yeah, didn't Jesus already told us that? He came to save the world. <laughs> Why are we surprised? Why are we acting like this is revelation? All oh, the world. Yeah, what are you doing about it? Are you establishing common ground with people so you can introduce them to something better? But that takes work. The truth is we don't want to work. We just want to offer our opinion and not care about people. And I think God's exposing us for that. I think religion is being exposed for what it truly is. We're just making a lot of noise. Bah, bah, gong, making noise. But without love, we don't establish common ground. Come on, talk to me. We need to learn to establish common ground with people. Because what Paul does is, Paul says, hey, I notice that you are very religious in every way. What is he doing? He's saying, oh, man, what is religion? Religion simply is a set of belief system that we're trying to apply to, to, to give us a better life and a better understanding of why we're here, where we're going. What is life after death? That's what religion is. And guess what? Everyone is religious in a way. Even atheists are religious. How do I know? Because you cannot be an atheist without having a certain set of beliefs. You have to believe that the universe came into existence out of nowhere and everything worked out together. And somehow out of the chaos we got order and we're here living life according to whatever thing got us here. Therefore, my friends, that's faith. I would present to you today that atheists have more faith than believers sometimes. Right, to believe that the planet is suspended in the middle of nowhere out of, out of, out of clear uh, uh, coincidence and somehow the whole thing works together and, and the sun is just right. If the sun was a little bit higher, we would be freezing to death. If it was a little bit lower, we would be, we'd be burning to death. But somehow it's basically in the right place and the oxygen that comes and, and makes you breathe the right way, all of that is a coincidence. That's a lot of faith. We should command this for having faith. We would say, man, I see that you, you have a lot of faith. So instead of bashing them, we should find a way to say, hey, no, let's talk about that. You're you, you tracking with me. Right? Like he established common ground and says, man, everybody believes in something. You're not going to find one human being who doesn't have a set of beliefs. Everyone believes in something. Why? Because everyone is trying to figure out life. Why am I here? Where am I going? What happens after I die? Those are the main questions that we all have. We, we stay up at night thinking about those things. And everybody does it. Black, white, Latino, rich. Matter of fact, some people who are very rich are very empty. Because they thought, man, I thought I would be fulfilled by now. I have made all this money. Why do I feel alone? Why do I feel empty? Why do I feel meaningless? Deion Sanders wins the Super Bowl and tries to kill himself that same night. And he said, why? Because I felt empty. I thought if I get the Super Bowl, this will be it, the pinnacle of my career. And I would celebrate. But he's like, everything in me was just empty. And he said, actually, that's what drove me to Jesus after that. Because I realized he's the rock at the bottom that I need." So, I pray we establish that we are all humans on a journey. And we all have certain sets of beliefs that's leading that journey. So, Paul starts with let me establish something common that we have in common here. All of us are religious. All of us have sets of beliefs. Right? And he says, because of that, I notice you have, though, this unknown God. Paul's like, perhaps this is where the missing link is. You have this unknown God. Think about it. Most people's idea of God, it's not Jesus. Most people will tell you there's a God, but they believe that he's up there somewhere and he shows up maybe twice a year on Christmas and Easter. (laughs) And he's got a long flowing beer and he gives out gifts. (laughs) And then he shows up when you are in a hospital and you are sick and then you go, hey, little help here. Shows up when the bills are due. Hey! Right? Everybody has some type of idea of a God. Unfortunately, it's very impersonal. It's not an everyday personal God that walks with you, that leads you, that guides you. But it's more like a distant uncle that shows up once in a while (laughs) when things are bad. Right? But we all have these belief systems. Right? And so, my friends, Paul is so good at saying, listen, I just want to appeal to what you already feel inside of you. You do feel the need to have a belief system. You do feel the need to have rules and regulations for your life. And people say, I do this, but I will never do that. Because we all have created our own belief systems that works, and we think it works. And until it gets, you know, poked, and all of a sudden, now we feel judged and condemned because someone's belief system affected your belief system. And that's how it gets interesting with this whole truth is relative. It's only relative until it doesn't fit your own relativism. Ooh, that was a little bit too deep. I'm sorry. It's lunchtime. <laughs> but Paul is saying, listen, I want to talk to you about this unknown God because this unknown God is, is what actually has compelled me to be here with you. This unknown God might be what is the energy that's leading this universe. You know, I think a great way in our society to talk about Jesus is to appeal to what everybody's talking about is. Everybody says, good vibes only. I think that's a great way to say, where do you think that vibes come from? What is the vibe? What is the energy that's leading this whole thing? Don't knock it. Ask questions. What do you mean by good vibes? Establish a common ground. Hey, I believe in good vibes too. (laughs) Like, what is it? What is this good vibe that you're feeling? Where do you think it comes from? Because he says, Jesus says the wind comes, and you don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind. Hey, right? Establish common ground with people and, and lead them towards a personal God who is the creator, savior, provider, the friend, the Jesus that came in the flesh so we can actually know, hey, that's the good vibe you're actually talking about. This good vibe has a name. This good vibe loves you. This good vibe is for you. This, this good vibe is trying to show you his will and his purpose. This good vibe is trying to fill you and t- teach you and push you and, and, and lead you towards him. This whole thing has been led by this good vibe, my friends. This whole thing, think about it. Why are we here? Because we've made so many decisions and consequences and mistakes and all this stuff but somehow you got to be honest and say there's been something outside of me that's been kind of leading me and guiding me and pushing me and and directing me and molding me and shaping me. I don't know where it comes from but there's something bigger than me leading the way. If that's not true then we have missed this whole COVID-19 situation. I don't know about you but this COVID-19 made us come face to face with the reality that we're not in control. Like if anybody doesn't see that, then we're, I don't know what to tell you. But all of a sudden a virus comes and tells you you're gonna stay home. And you're like, I am my own man. I'm staying home. (laughs) I will refuse to wear a mask. Well, you want groceries? Can't go in. (laughs) I will starve. Okay, I'll wear a mask. Right, all of a sudden we come face to face with the reality that maybe, perhaps, there are things that we can't control. All of a sudden you get a medical report and you realize, I'm not in control. Like, life has a way of making you think about something bigger than you. All of a sudden you don't have a job anymore and and I'm not in control. I was making this much money and it's gone. And now you... You are left with the reality of, what do I actually believe? Come on, how do we get here? We didn't get here because we made ourselves get here. We got here because something has been steering us, leading us, guiding us, pushing us. Like even bad situations has made you to get to where you are. Some of us come kicking and screaming. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, yo, ah. Some of us, we have to be cornered, right, for our own good, right? It's like when we tell our kids, it's going to hurt me, what's going to hurt you. That's God. He's so faithful. He's so good. He's like, I got to corner you to realize this, this is what you need. Think about it. In our own mindsets, we don't know what we need. We think we know what we want. I'm going too deep today. I'm sorry. I don't think we're ready for this. My friends, we only share the gospel when it's the baseline. Look, Paul goes on to say, look, verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs. For he has no needs he himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determines their boundaries. Think about that. Like, God determined when you would be born. Like, you could have been born in the 1700s, 1800s, 1900s. Like, God says, no, I want you to be, like, this is where I determined for you to be born. Matter of fact, you, you, you are so limited, you didn't even choose your parents. You didn't, I birthed myself. (laughs) No, like we have limitations on purpose. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. How cool is that? He's like, God created you and gave you free will. But in you, he put a GPS to fill your way towards him. Like he already programmed you to try to find him. That's why you're religious. Because you're trying to somehow figure out who is this God. Is it the spaghetti monster? Is it atheism? Is it Gnosticism? Is it Islam? Is it Buddhism? Is it Hinduism? Oh my, I'm trying to fill my way towards God. So you can't rule anybody out. God has already put the thing in us. We're not that smart to be looking for this. Leave it to our own self. we been pursuing all the wrong things. And we have, haven't we? And it actually, some of us can be honest this morning and say, it's by pursuing the wrong things that you stumble your way to the right thing. <laughs> right? I thought I was going to a church retreat because the church had good-looking girls. God's like, I got another plan. And I'm not the only one, if we're going to be honest, in this church, how many of us came for the wrong reasons but got the right response? Because God is like, man, you think you came for this, I brought you for this. Remember the first time I saw my best friend in church, we looked at each other and wait, what are you doing here? We both were shocked to see each other in church. He came one way, I came the other way. We looked at each other like, like it was a sitcom. <laughs> what are you doing here? All along, God had a plan. And we're just stumbling our way to that plan that he has. And what Paul is doing it here, he's like, man, you guys, are you're stumbling your way towards God. You don't even know it. How cool is that? You have to bash people. How about you point them in the fact that, yeah, you, that's what you're doing. You're stumbling your way towards God. And, and, and everybody's journey is unique, so you got to give people room to figure that out. Are you with me? Paul is appealing to something that's universal. There's a universal longing to know God. It's in everybody. That's why this thing is universal. It's everywhere. This is not an American invention. People long for meaning, purpose, love, connection. Understanding, and there's no material things that's going to fulfill that. That's why people get saved from all walks of life. That's why people can be billionaires and, and and trying to. That's why. Why do you think Kanye is on this quest? He's a billionaire, but here he is talking about Jesus. You would think, why is he talking about Jesus? He's not broken. He's not hurting. He's got the money. Well, you can have all the money in the world and still be hurting and broken, and looking for meaning and purpose. So this is not a black thing, a white thing, rich thing. No, it's a human thing. We're all at stumbling our way towards God. We're all looking for the same thing. We all crave the same things. I think indirectly everyone is looking for God. Everyone. Even the one who says there's no God. They're looking for meaning and purpose. We're all on a journey together. And Paul gets to this place. He says, Can I tell you a little bit more about this personal God? Verse 28 He says, For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Paul's like, Man, it's what you're looking for. I love this line in him. We live, move, and exist. Think about it. Right now, you are on life support. If you stop breathing, you you, you stop living. So who is behind the scenes giving you breath? You don't even produce your own breath. It's crazy to think about. Like you're walking around Breathing. You don't even think about it because you were created to breathe. But if you stop breathing, you're done on this life. As Paul is saying, like, that's the life support. That's the, that's the energy. That's the good vibes. That's the person who is leading you forward. He's the one that put breath in you in the first place. And the word breath actually is the word spirit. The word spirit is the word pneuma in, in, in Greek and, and is the word ruha in Hebrew, which basically means spirit. Like every time you're breathing, you're actually saying God. <laughs> oh, man. Like, you can't exist without saying God. That's what he's saying here. In him we live, we move, we exist. Even those who are like, there's no God. He's like, yeah, if you stop breathing (laughs) now. They say even an atheist cries out to God in the middle of war. Or if you're in an airplane, the airplane stops. You don't go, oh, Buddha. some reason, it's Jesus is the only word that comes to mind <laughs> in those moments. Why? Perhaps he already built it in you to cry out to him. <laughs> you know, I, I've studied all main religions. And you know my heart. I'm not, I don't believe in arguing. That's not the point. It's not about being right, remember? It's about being Righteous. I've studied Islam, I've studied Hinduism, I've studied Jehovah Witnesses, Mormonism. I've studied all the mainline religions. And the key is Jesus. It's how you view Jesus. See, when I talk to people about religion, I don't go about, you know, okay, what do you believe in this? I just talk about Jesus. And hey, let's just stay on this one person. What do you think about Jesus? Because in Islam, he's just a teacher. He's, just, he's not a savior. Right? In Hinduism, he, he, he's an enlightenment, but he's not really the savior. You know, in, 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 in every given religion, the problem is there's, a, there's an understanding of Jesus, but it's all about how do you work to get yourself to God. Only in Christianity, there's a God who says, no, you don't have to work for anything. You don't have to earn it. You don't deserve it. I, I did it for you. It's grace that makes Jesus the best option. <laughs> Notice I say the best option because it's a free will thing. But when I come face to face with the reality of Jesus, now I come face to face with the best option. Because why Jesus? Because Jesus. To me, this is why I translated us. Okay, this is go ahead. Go to my next slide. Here's why Jesus. Because Jesus makes us better a life, and life is better with Jesus. That's why Jesus. Okay, that's why religion for me is inadequate because religion doesn't necessarily make me better a life, and, and life is not better with. Because of religion, it's Jesus. They had a meeting at Oxford University in England debating religions. And what makes Jesus different? C.S. Lewis, who came in late to the meeting, who was an atheist, who became a believer, uh, and had a crazy journey to get to fill his way towards God. He becomes one of the greatest thinkers of, of the, the, the 19th century, the 20th century. And, and he comes to this meeting. And they're like, oh, listen, we are in a stalemate. What makes this different and everything else? He goes, My friends. That's easy. It's grace. It says every religion says you got to earn your way towards God. It's only Jesus who says, no, I earn my way towards you. I came down for you. And I am the one that pursues you, that comes after you. I'm the one that forgives you and empowers you and enables you. He says that's what makes Jesus the good news. Now, notice, my friends, I said Jesus makes us better a life. I didn't say Religion. Jesus doesn't make me a better church goer. Jesus makes me a better husband. He makes me a better father. He makes me a better friend. He makes me a better son. Then he makes me a better pastor. I'm not talking about going to a building on the weekend and and then call that that. I'm talking about how he permeates the way I talk to my wife, the way I deal with my own children. The way that I handle my finances and the way that I handle relationships, it all because this living being who governs the universe, who governs my life, who leads me, who, who pursues me, who comes after me, empowers me to be better at life. And life is better with Jesus. Notice I say better, not easy. Because that's also a false gospel to think that, okay, Jesus came into your life and now everything is easy. No, Jesus comes into your life to make life better, but not easy, because easy is not better. That's so important because I don't want to give us false understanding here that when Jesus comes into your life, it's all good. It's all peaches and roses. Like nothing goes wrong. Actually, when Jesus comes into your life, he breaks down a lot of old thinking, old mindsets, old perspectives. It actually hurts. It actually is very uncomfortable. It's actually very difficult at times because all of a sudden you realize, wow, I've been walking this way and he's telling me to shift and go this way. So it's very uncomfortable. It's very, uh, it's, a, it's a struggle to follow Jesus, but it's better. I'm better at life because of Jesus. And in order for me to get Jesus, I got to let go of other things. That's where the rubber meets the road. And Paul makes it clear here, as I conclude here, look, he says this. Now, here's the thing. Verse 30, he says, God overlooked people's ignorance before these things in early, earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. Paul's like, wow, here's the catch though. If you don't repent, you won't see the fullness of his will. And what is repentance? Repentance, listen, let me make this very clear because it's such, a, such an old school, you know, church word. But repentance basically is this. I can't receive something in my hand if my hands are already full. If I'm trying to give you a gift and your hands are full, guess what? Something's got to give. I either put the stuff down and take your gift or I walk away with my stuff and leave you with your gift. Jesus is like, I came to give you life and life more abundant. But guess what? If you keep doing life your way and the way you think and your sets of beliefs and your sets of worldview, I'm going to take my way. I'm going to take my grace and move on and give it to somebody else who has an empty hand that can receive. And that's where we clash with God because we have to let go of something in order to attain what he's given to us. That's where most people will draw the line because we'd rather keep our stuff than to embrace what God has done for us. Isn't that amazing? Some people would rather try to do all the rules and regulations, jump through all the religious hoops to somehow try to please God as opposed to receive by grace what God has already given to you. It's crazy, but it's true how humanity is we rather feel like we earn it as opposed to receive it because receiving takes humility why is it that 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 in christianity a symbol of humility is bowing your knee because bowing your knee takes humility that's why Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. But if you don't understand the context, it will mess you up. You're like, what do you mean a needle and a camel? What in the world? What Jesus was saying is back in those days they had these entrances into these villages and they looked like a needle and the camel was so high and tall and they were so resistant to it because they made them feel afraid. How do I get into this thing? But they have to understand that someone would have to help the camel bow their heads and get into the needle. What he's saying is if you can't bow yourself and humble yourself, you won't be able to receive us on the other side. And what's funny about the camel is they would say the camel would be on the outside of the city kicking and screaming to get in and he's hungry, he's thirsty, but not realizing that when you come in, there's water and there's, there's, there's provision for you on the other side. Well, you won't know that until you let go of the old to be able to know what God is trying to give you on the other side. So my friends, Jesus makes us better at life. But it comes with true repentance. I have to let go of the old to embrace the new. That's why we say the old is gone and the new has come. And the reality is this. Can we be honest for a second? I'm going too long. I'm sorry. Not really, though. I'm not. Um, I'm not sorry. I'm not going to have false repentance up here. I am not sorry. <laughs> if you don't like this, I'm sorry for you. Uh That's why repentance is a daily thing, because it takes time to truly surrender and trust that God does have the best interest in mind for me, especially when I've been skeptical all my life and when I've been questioning all my life and when I've never had a relationship with him. It takes time. That's why repentance is a daily thing. It's not a one-time thing. If I really want the will of God, every day I have to say, God, help me today to let go of the old so I can embrace the new. Paul says it this way, I got to die to those things every day to come up alive to His thing every day. And we all know this is true because some things in us die very hard. So we have to die to them daily. Can you say amen? Amen. So my friends, when you share the gospel, the worship team could come out. They're probably sleeping in the back. Um, (laughs) When you share the gospel, there's always mixed responses. And this is how it ends. Look how it ends, right? Look at verse 30. Paul says, God over, look, sorry, verse 32. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, We want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined him and became believers. You're always going to get mixed responses to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you have to be okay with that because that's the reality of not, oh, well, you presented the gospel, but that's the reality of where people are in their journey. Some people are not ready to receive this, and so for them, this is just a big joke. Like, oh, my gosh, you born-again people. You guys are crazy, man. Always talking about this Jesus thing. You mean, it's so weird. Like, you just leave me alone. Listen, I've been there. I remember being 19 years old and being in this neighborhood, we hang out with my friends and there was a guy from the church that would come around and tell us about Jesus. And every time we saw him, we would run. We're like, yo, here he comes. And he hit us with that Jesus thing again. And God's got a sense of humor because then God got a hold of me and I started coming around people started saying, run. (laughs) Here he comes. My friends didn't know this, but they were prophesying on me. They were like, what do you think you are, a pastor or something? Guess what? I am a pastor now because you prophesied that into me. So that's a word for somebody. Even what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it around for good. Don't let people talk you out of the gospel because they're not ready to receive what you already received. You gotta keep being a witness of God and not let anybody get you away from the will of God because they're not ready. My friends, it's not how well you present the gospel, it's where the people's hearts are in the moment. Not everybody's ready. And you shouldn't be upset about that because at one point you weren't ready. You can remain standing on the end, I promise. We lie all the time about closing. (laughs) And we need to repent. But some people are are not ready. Guess what? It's not because you didn't do your job. It's because their hearts are not ready. But one day out of nowhere, God got a hold of me. So my job is to keep being a witness. Just sowing seeds. That's what Jesus calls people's hearts. He's like, people's hearts are like soils. You throw seeds. We don't know when they're going to be ready to give life and fruit. So you don't get disappointed, discouraged, because some people are laughing. They're not ready. Laughter, to be honest with you, is a defense mechanism. That's a psychological thing now. People laugh at what they don't know. So they don't get exposed to what they're really thinking. Because in my experience in 22 years, the same people who have laughed has come around to say, Hey, can you pray for me? And the punk in me want to be like, oh, you ain't laughing now, eh? (laughs) Right? We just got to be available to people when they're ready. And some people are like, man, I want to know more. Some people are intrigued. It's a journey. It's a process. And I'm ready to surrender. And then thirdly, some people are ready to become believers. So I don't know where you are today. I just know that this God loves you and he's for you. And he sent Jesus to show you the way. Jesus said, "I'm the way, I'm the truth and I'm the life, and no one goes to the Father except through me." Jesus says, "I'm exclusive, but I'm inclusive. I include anybody who wants me. So it's up to each person to make their own decision about where they are. As a preacher he used to always say, he says, "Man listen, I'll preach as good as you are a receiver." <laughs> I love that. Say, like, "I'm putting the ball in your court. So I'm not just going to make it about me. It's about the condition of your heart, whether you're here or in forever or online. It's up to you what you want to do with this. My challenge as we end is, is this, two things. Some of you, you know the gospel. It's time you start asking the Holy Spirit to help you introduce other people to Jesus. Because it's not meant for you to keep it to yourself. It's meant for you to be a witness. And some of us, our struggle is we've been in church too long and we, have, we are no longer being led by the Spirit of God. We're just being led by going to church. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit to dust off that heart for him. Because I, I tell you what, you pray this prayer today, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be aware. I guarantee you, you say, Holy Spirit, lead, help me to lead someone to Jesus. You go about your business, don't even try anything, and watch your week. It could be on a Wednesday or on a Thursday. All of a sudden, one of your coworkers goes, man, I've been struggling, I'm hurting. And all of a sudden, you have an open door to share Jesus with them. And even in that moment, you can share Jesus and go, God, give me a sign. It's like, you prayed already about the sign. This is the sign. And all of a sudden, you're on your Facebook page and all of a sudden, someone you haven't seen in a while sends you a message and says, man, I've been watching your Facebook post and I'm really interested. I want to know more. And you're like, could this be it? I think so. I'm telling you, when you pray, coincidences happen. And for some of you, it's your turn to surrender. You've been feeling your way. And he's like, I am the way. I am the way. I came to rescue you. I came to heal you. I came to give you life. So would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me where you are and personalize this and say, Lord, I'm ready to receive you today. You're the one I've been looking for. So today, Jesus, I pray, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior today. I want to live in the fullness of your will. I want to live to please you, to worship you to serve you. I want to come alive. I want to know that in you I live, I move, I have my being. So have your way with me, Lord. Father, we also pray, have your way with us who already know you. Give us a heart for people. I pray the baseline of our souls is the gospel. Help us to see people that you see them. As potential friends. As potential believers. Give us a heart for our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, people that we cross paths with. I pray, Lord, that we are your witness of how good you are and how faithful you are. So have your way, we pray, with all of us here in person and online. And we pray always in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen, Amen and amen. You know, if, if you pray this online, you want to know more about following Jesus, just text this number you're seeing below right now. If you're in person, there's people outside that says, ask me about a free Bible. We'd love to connect with you and help you on your next journey. But you're feeling your way towards Jesus. Don't stop on a Sunday morning. It's a lifestyle. You know, it's a lifestyle. So I pray the Lord bless you and keep you and give you his peace. I pray you have an amazing week by the power of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share it with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.